0: Thank you, Chris All right. Well before we look at uh, our sermon text today, let's pray. Dear Lord Thank you for your word Given through the ages through your prophets inspired by your Holy Spirit. Give your people hope and certainty for their future and uh, Hope in the darkness and pointing always for to Christ our Savior pray that you would strengthen our hearts and our minds in the grace of that you've given us, and, and we put our, set our hope fully upon you today. Pray this in Jesus name. Amen. So our sermon text is Zephaniah chapter 3, 14 through 20, which we read earlier. And Zephaniah spoke these words to the nation of Israel about a generation before Babylon would come in and conquer them and take them away as captives. And Zephaniah warned that these troubles were judgment for Israel's sins. But he also promised that afterwards, God would restore their fortunes. And that's, that restoration, that's the focus of our verses today. So their hope back then, as now, was in the living God, who acts in history to save, has done so and will continue to do so. And this is your hope. So even if things look like they're just going from bad to worse, you have a certain hope in God and his promises to you. Now when we consider the prophecies of the Bible and history, two things become evident. One is that God has fulfilled his word in miraculous ways. And that the other is, there is more to come. And we think about the Israelites and the promises to them. They did return, and they did miraculously rebuild their nation. And Babylon fell from other circumstances, and and it fell never to rise again. And yet, from then up until now, enemies have continued to trouble Israel. So we know that the words of Zephaniah are not fully completed yet. There's more still to come. And if there's more of it still to come, then that means that there is great joy ahead as God's going to bring them to completion. God is going to restore all things. And what's new since Zephaniah is that Jesus is the Messiah. And he began restoring all things with his first coming, but all of it's going to be fully realized when he comes again. So we're going to look at these these prophecy of Zephaniah, and, and we're going to connect it through Christ to us. And one of, one of those connections here is from the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. It says this, But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So there is coming a time for restoring all the things spoken by the holy prophets. So these promises matter to you because in Jesus, they are your promises too. Jesus made the way for all people from he- any nation to join God's covenant. His death on the cross was for the sins of all people so that any who believe in Jesus as the Messiah become God's people. And this is made really clear in, in Ephesians 3, chapter, or chapter 3, verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So, the joy and the restoration promised in Zephaniah are also promised to you. So, look closely at these promises, because in Jesus they are yours. And when we look through these verses, we're going to find six aspects of God's restoration. And some of them have have been fulfilled in the history of the nation of Israel. Some have been fulfilled in Jesus' first coming. And some are going to be fulfilled in the future, at his second coming. But all of them are joy for you because they promise your restoration as well. So first, verse 15, Zephaniah 3, verse 15 God promises to end their troubles. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. So God will remove judgment and enemies. God will deal with the cause of the troubles. And verses 1 of Zephaniah 3, earlier in the chapter, 1 through 8, Describe the sins of Israel that brought these judgments upon them. And I'm going to read them. And as you hear them, as you listen, you're going to hear a lot of parallels with our own society today. Chapter 3, 1 through 8. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the oppressing city. She listens to no voice, she accepts no correction, she does not trust in the Lord, she does not draw near to her God. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing to the morning. Her prophets are fickle, treacherous men. Her priests profane what is holy. They do violence to the law. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice. Every morning he shows forth his justice. Each dawn he does not fail. But the unjust knows no shame. I have cut off nations. Their battlements are in ruins. I have laid waste their streets so that no one walks in them. Their cities have been made desolate, without a man, without an inhabitant. I said, surely you will fear me. You will accept correction, and then your dwelling would not be cut off according to all that I have appointed against you. But all the more they were eager to make all their deeds corrupt, Therefore, wait for me, declares the Lord, for the day when I rise up to seize the prey. For my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out upon them my indignation, all my burning anger. For in the fire of my jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. Zephaniah is describing a society that was being ripped apart by sin. And despite all the warnings, they eagerly pursued corruption, and judgment had to come. But although judgment must come, God promised to save a remnant, a faithful remnant, from their troubles, both within within their hearts and without. God would show mercy and end the judgment. He would bring them back. But also, he would reform the people so they would repent of their sins that caused their troubles. And he promises the same chapter, just a little further down, verses 11 through 13. The reformation of the people. On that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proudly exalted ones. You shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain, but I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Those who are left in Israel, they shall do no injustice and speak no lies, nor there shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue, or they shall graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. So when sin is removed, so are many of our troubles. And God began fulfilling his promise in history. The nation, the people of Israel were brought back. The nation was rebuilt. The temple was rebuilt and the people never again in the history of the Jews did they fall into idolatry to worship pagan gods. They never fell into that. But as we pointed out earlier, not all was fulfilled. You look at Israel today, she is surrounded by hostile groups who are sworn to eliminate every last Jew. And Israel is provoked daily by attacks and by terror and another war has begun there and i just was thinking about this the heightened focus we have on the on the threats to them and their their constant danger imagine what rejoicing there will be when these words of zephaniah are fulfilled when there will be no more enemies imagine Israel, imagine no enemies it's, it's maybe hard for us to imagine because we don't live daily with enemies where we live Um, But we know that the enemies exist out there in the world. They're just not in our backyard. No enemies. That will be truly cause to sing aloud and exult with all your heart. That'll be joy. Next, God promised that his presence would be among them. Verses 15 through 17. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. So in the Old Testament, the temple, God's glory in the temple was the presence of God with the nation. So when they rebuilt it, the presence of God with them was restored. And the presence of God was also demonstrated through his miraculous acts of deliverance. But God's presence itself was the blessing and is the greatest blessing. But the promise, these words, that he would be among them as king of Israel, that meant something more. And the Jews understood that this would be fulfilled through the Messiah. Next, God promised he would delight in them and he would do good to them. Verse 17, he will rejoice over you with gladness he will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. God delights in blessing his people. And I, I think of myself <laughs> with my daughter Abigail. Caden, Kat and and you can probably relate with Cleo. They're holding up your little daughter. I think a lot of dads do this. We just, you just adore her so much. You want to you, you sing to her. You just want to to. You know, especially the privacy of your home and you're not around other people, you, may, you maybe will sing to her in a way you wouldn't sing around other people. Just sing about how adorable she is, how you love her so much, how you just want good for her so much. And, and you just, you know, I, I will exult over you with loud singing. And I kind of imagine, I relate to that maybe in this way. But God's word... Um, gives many other examples of this. Isaiah 62, 5, As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And Jeremiah 32, 41, I will rejoice in doing them good. I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and with all my soul. That's God's love and delight for you and in doing good towards you. So there's joy in knowing There's that that God loves you and he loves to do you good. Next, God will comfort those who mourn over Zion. Verse 18, I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. So during the Babylonian captivity, the Passover festival ceased because the temple was destroyed and the people were exiled to faraway lands. There was no way to practice it. And the people, they felt their reproach, their disapproval, their disappointment. But they were, so they were not only mourning their suffering. Woe is me, I'm suffering. No, they were mourning what sin had done to their souls, to their society, to their relationship with God. They mourned what they had lost in the spiritual dimension. And God says he will gather those who mourn for what was lost, for the spiritual things that were lost, for what sin had done to them. Those who mourn over those things, God has comfort for them. God's promises are comfort to them. And those promises cannot comfort someone who will not see their own sin and who will not see what sin has cost them. So, the next comforting promise is that God will free captives and gather outcasts. Verse 19 and 20. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors. I will save the lame and gather the outcasts, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in at the time when I gather you together. So the power of their captors will be broken. The people will return. God will gather them together. And Israel at the time was reviled as a people, a lame outcast people, helpless pawns, victims in the games of the powerful empires. But they would be miraculously restored into a nation and the whole world would be perplexed, unable to explain how it had happened, except God did it. And this happened after the Babylonian captivity, but it also happened in modern times when after nearly 2,000 years of dispersion, the Jews became a nation again, the nation of Israel. And the final comforting promise in these verses is God will exalt them. Verses 19 through the end of 20. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in at the time when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Have you ever experienced losing your respect? Maybe you let some people down, disappointed them, and they could never look at you or treat with the same respect again. That is a very bitter loss and it is hard to regain. You must re-earn it with consistent trustworthiness. And if you, uh, if you mess up again at all, it can be very easy to lose it again. God promises to turn shame into renown and praise. Everyone will see, here are the people God delights in. So the renown is, is that they are honored because God has chosen them as his people, and he has lifted them up. So God's restoration, we look at all this together, God's restoration is great joy. It's the end of troubles, of enemies, and of sin. It's God's presence with us, God's delight toward us, comfort for those who mourn, outcasts freed and returned, and honor restored. Great promises. However, as, we, as we've mentioned, not all of it was Fulfilled at that time in the history of Israel. So Israel looked for, they knew more was to come, and they looked ahead to the Messiah, who would fulfill all God's promises. And the Gospel of Mark introduces Jesus this way, in chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the Gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel." So Jesus did not yet come to remove all enemies, he came to restore the souls of men from sin. In John one verse 29, John the Baptist proclaimed, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came to take away the sin of the whole world, the sin that troubles your soul, that causes trouble between people And that brings judgment upon us. And Jesus came as a suffering servant. Matthew 20, verse 28 The Son of Man came not to serve or not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus fulfills God's promises for all who believe in him. So if we look at, let's look at Jesus and how he fulfills these promises of Zephaniah. In Jesus, your judgment is removed. Romans 8, 1. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus began, so he began the removal of your troubles. Judgment removed, sin in your heart removed, but not all troubles on this earth and enemies and afflictions removed. Although he does not yet end all troubles, he does remove their sting because none of them can separate you from God or from your better future in him. And concerning your troubles, Jesus says, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. Also in Jesus, God's presence is with you. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. As scripture says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is closer than the glory that was in God's temple. He was God walking side by side among mankind and he gives his Holy Spirit to dwell in any who believe in him to this very day. John 14, 16 through 17. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Also, in Jesus, God's delight rests upon you, and he blesses you. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So you have God's grace and blessings in Jesus now. But there are immeasurable riches of kindness ahead for you. In Jesus, God comforts those who mourn. Second Corinthians 1, 3-5. God is with you. He loves you. His presence and his love strengthen you in your troubles. And he gives you hope in the certainty that one day he will restore all things. And Jesus God frees captives and gathers outcasts. Colossians 1:13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And Ephesians 2:13 and 19. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. God's spirit draws people to Jesus. He breaks the power of sin in our hearts. Jesus sets us free from the slavery of our sins. And he also, he gathers people from all nations. So even when you feel lost and alone in this world, your soul is free, and God is with you and you belong to him. In Jesus God exalts you by placing Jesus honor upon you. James 410 humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. And second Corinthians five twenty one For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus restores your honor before God. He places his righteousness upon you as yours. No matter how others may think of you or treat you, you are exalted before God. And all of this is yours now in Jesus. Sin's forgiven. God's presence with you, God's delight towards you, comfort amidst troubles, soul set free from sin, and your honor, your reputation, exalted. Yeah, this is, this is not the culmination of God's restoration. When Jesus comes again, all, will, all troubles will cease, there will be no more enemies, no more afflictions, and God will be closer to you than ever. And you will know the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness. The book of Revelation, chapters 19 and 20, they describe the return of Jesus as the conquering king who will defeat all enemies, and then will come the judgment. So every evil that troubles mankind, that troubles creation, will be judged and removed. But those who trust in Jesus will receive what Jesus promised them in Matthew 25, 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. This kingdom is the new Jerusalem that will come down out of heaven, described in Revelation 21. Verses 3 and 4. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So at that time, all the promises of Zephaniah will be fulfilled. All troubles will cease. The king of Israel, the Lord, will be in our midst, and you shall never fear again. In God's presence, he himself will be your light, your eternal life, and your constant delight. And the riches of his kindness will be your comfort. You will be free from all weakness, corruption, and even death. And all God's children from all nations, from all the ages of time, will be gathered together as one. And we will be exalted with Jesus to a glory we cannot imagine. God's promises are your hope in troubles. And this does not mean that you will feel like singing every day and exulting in your heart every day. It means that even on your darkest days, when you feel nothing but sorrow, you have hope. Because you know that God will restore all things. You know that one day you will sing aloud and you will rejoice with all your heart. And you'll give God all the glory. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word, for your promises in Zephaniah, fulfilled in Christ and promised to us to give us a future and a hope. Pray that we take these to heart, that they would give us comfort and strength and hope on every day and in every trial and every trouble, that we trust in you and look to you as our God and our Savior, and also look to you as our hope and our future. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.